Well, hello there. I'm Karen Sander. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly, a program for the over 50s, those uniquely wonderful baby boomers. My aim is to educate, motivate and inspire you to embrace the exciting journey of life for decades to come. So stay tuned to meet a variety of guests who will share their stories and passions to help us gain insight into the ways to live a happier, healthier life. Welcome everyone today. I am incredibly pleased to be able to welcome for the third time to my program, Mr. Peter Anthony. G'day Karen, how are you? I'm well. It's nice to be back in your chair. Well, you haven't been in that chair for a little while. It's been, you were here in my early days and I much appreciated it and great that you're a willing subject to come back. I was one of the beginners. You were a beginner, but you're such a pro now. I am. This is three times now. Oh, my God. That, that's it. You know, no more. <laughs> Peter is a positive psychologist and he not only works with individuals but with companies. And he has recently written a book called... Clout. Clout. Yeah. Clout. And it's not that thump you, I'm going to clout you, that no. your mother might have said when you, you know, were running around the house like a maniac. But it's another type of clout, which we'll get to. Peter, before we start, can you explain to the listeners what is a positive psychologist? A positive psychologist is someone that focuses on how people that are well can have a better, happier, more fulfilling life because for most of the history of psychology, we were focused very much on what's called maladaptive psychology, which is things like um, depression, bipolar disorders, schizophrenia and so forth. And while that's really crucial and very important, we made a lot of ground in that space, we turned our minds about 20 years ago to thinking about how we can make uh, people that are well uh, happier to flourish, if you like, and to lead better, more fulfilling lives. And I think being happy, you know, we are on this earth, we've got a lot of things to do in a very short time that we're here, and one of them is to be as happy as we possibly can be, yeah? That's true, that's true. And that's one of the inspirations for the book, because if you look at the evidence in positive psychology, one of the things that makes people happiest is high-quality relationships, and high-quality relationships are based on high-quality conversations. And you know, whether it's with your romantic partner or your husband or your wife or your children or your friends, usually it works best when you're communicating most effectively with each other. Yeah, it's funny. You know, you see things on TV, and I'm not going to mention any shows, but you know, sometimes the quality of relationships and how people talk to each other, it's yeah. just really poor. You know, it's um, it's something that... A lot of people don't have skills in. They don't have skills in. And sometimes I can imagine some of the programs you could be alluding to, that, uh, Karen. And I'm not alluding to any particular <laughs> <and> program. <laughs> but I think, I think often what happens, particularly in a relationship context, is that people are literally speaking different languages and they've got very different paradigms, very different models of the world and they, just, they are literally not hearing what each other are saying, mm. uh, which, is, which is part of what makes a great conversation. If you can on the same wavelength or you can speak the same language. Can I tell you what someone told me recently? What's that? This is a compliment, Peter. Okay. When you have a conversation with Peter Anthony, 
you feel like he's hanging on to every word that you're saying and you feel really important because you know he's listening. Yeah. I don't even remember who told me that. <laughs> I know where I was, yeah. but I can't remember the individual. I can't think of a, a compliment more worth having than that because that's something I, I pay particular attention to. Well, one of the things for me that I've learnt over the years and I've been in sales for a long time is the most important thing in my role is what I do with my two ears mm. and that's to listen. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Listening, listening is crucial and, and you're listening to both what you're hearing and also you're listening to what you're seeing because most of what you're listening to is all those good nonverbal pieces. Did you tell me the little saying about you've got two eyes to see with two ears to listen and one mouth to communicate? Uh, that wasn't one of mine, but that's, that's a goodie. It, 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 it's a goodie. It's a goodie. But you're, you're listening more with your eyes than with your ears because you're listening to more nonverbal cues and clues than you are in the words, which is what women tend to be much better at than men, which is why women are much better communicators than men are. One reason. It's very unnerving when you have a conversation with someone and they're not looking at you. Yeah. It's like they're not listening, isn't That's it? That's true. That's true. And they're not listening to most of what you're saying because if you look at – there's a lot of good work done in this space by people like Michael Corbalis and others who look at, looked at like uh, the evolution of language and what they found was that we've been using what he called gestural language or physical language for about four or 500,000 years – only using, uh, only using the, the words for 100,000 years or so. So we're more hardwired to receive information non-verbally than verbally. And that's, that's really important. It's really important. In fact, I was talking to someone today. I'm running an event next week um, up on the Central Coast in New South Wales. And I've got a, um, a, a musician coming up to, um, to drum with us. There's 17 of us. And she's a, a drumming and music expert. And one of the things that she does is she gets people to drum together as a, as a group, blindfolded, and they can tell when each other are about to drum and they actually can play it, they can drum a song together blindfolded. And what they're doing is they're picking up at an esoteric level what each other are doing without even being able to see each other. That's really quite extraordinary. And she's, she plays in a leading symphony orchestra and she said that one of the ways that um, people in the orchestra can tell what each other are doing is that they're, they're actually operating on a whole different wavelength. So it's, and that's an interesting thought to have when you are talking to someone or actually listening to them, not talking to them. Yeah, it's hard to imagine that people wouldn't know, but, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah just to stay in time and do yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. And, and really it also gets down to intent. So you think, well, what's my intent by having this conversation? And if I do genuinely care about the person... And uh, I genuinely care about understanding how they're thinking or how they're feeling. I really need to give them all of my attention. And one of the issues we find, particularly in the professional context or even the personal context, is that people have their attention elsewhere as well, like on a TV screen or on an iPhone or whatever, whatever else might be going on. And you're only getting about 10 or 20 percent of, uh, of their attention which means that they're only really getting 10% of what you're saying. And if it's really important, you and all of it, not just 10% of it. While we're sitting here talking, there's two things that have come up for me. Number one, 
I'm sitting here opposite you in a studio and I'm looking at you all the time talking. I find it really hard to run an interview over a phone because I can't get the best out of the person because I can't see them. Yeah, Yeah, you can have banter, and but it's not quite the same as having someone sitting with you you. where you pick up on each other's cues and every... Here's me, I'm talking with my hands, you know, you know I'm doing that, but... The, the listeners can't hear, but the conversation, it flows better when I see you and I can read you yeah. in a way. Yeah. I know that sounds, you know, I can read everything about you, Peter. Yeah. I just know right here. No, not quite. And the other thing is telephone at dinner tables or when you're out with someone and they're constantly looking at their phone, you know they're not tuned into what you're saying. Mm. It's really rude. Yeah. And there's got to be a whole... Etiquette. I want to get June Daly Watkins in here one mm. day. And I know she's in her 90s and she works a lot in China. You know, that whole etiquette about what you do with a phone. Yeah. It's interesting work come out of um, some Apple research recently on the use of iPhones. What they've found over the past 10 years is that phones are being used less and less as a speaking device and more and more as a, as a texting mm-hmm. and social media device. And th- they've found that the average length of, the, of a phone call now is 90 seconds. And people are using their phones for a, an average of three hours a day, which I thought was quite, quite small. Only 10% of that time they're spending talking. And some Pew research alongside that found that people are less likely than ever to change their point of view or their opinions based on a conversation. So what concerns me is that we're having less conversations, they're shorter, and when we have them, we're less likely to change our minds or our point of view. And if you think about that quality relationship being a quality conversation or a quality piece of communication, it concerns me about the level of outcome and relationship we can have with each other when the fundamental tool is not being used effectively. Yeah, and I did hear some of that research too, that people are just texting answers back and forwards. And yeah. so much can be misconstrued when yeah. you write a message yeah. as opposed to actually saying it because you can hear yourself saying it. Someone can completely misinterpret the words that you've used when it comes down to an SMS. I'd like to, first of all, um, share your first song choice with the audience today. A little less conversation. A little more action, please, by Elvis Presley. And the reason I chose this one was that uh, it's more about what you're doing, as we're, we're saying right now. More about what you're doing as you're having the conversation, not just what you're saying. That's why I chose this one. Awesome. You are listening to Radio Northern Beaches 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. Peter, who doesn't love that song? A little more action. Who doesn't love Elvis? Yeah, he's never lost his popularity, he's has he? Do, do you think he's gained more popularity as he even? Well, my daughter's sixteen, and she's getting back into some of the older bands, like she's into um, like Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin. I haven't seen her come out with any Elvis Presley T-shirts yet, but I'm looking forward to that day. <laughs> it's too funny, isn't it? I mean, look, great music. That's mm. all you can say, isn't it? Peter, uh, you've written a book called Clout. So what exactly is clout and how important is it? Why is it important? Well, clout is 
in this context, it's about being able to achieve more with people in conversations. And having clout with someone means that you can you can influence them to do things. And it's usually influencing them to do things that's in their favour or uh, what is good for them and good for you. And being able to have a conversation, a deliberate conversation that leaves you both better off than no conversation at all. That's what clout is in this context. How important is it? It's crucial because if you think about, if we move back into the positive psychology research, we talked about relationship being key. Another key in terms of having a flourishing life is having a sense of purpose and meaning and being able to achieve things bigger than just yourself and believe in things other than just yourself. And if you've got clout with people, it means that you can achieve things with them, have a sense of purpose and meaning and make make you someone that's really worthwhile talking to, someone that people really love talking to because they get something out of that conversation. And a conversations are things we're having all the time. So I'd like to see us have more deliberate conversations and achieve more together by having them. And so what you're saying too is someone with clout is able to influence. They're like a key person of influence. They can influence, yeah. They can influence because they care. They care enough about themselves to make the effort required to have a great conversation and they care enough about other people that they really want to help them achieve what they need in their lives too. I mean, look, relationships, they fall down for all sorts of reasons and, and you know, purpose and meaning in a relationship is really important. I think relationships fail for only one reason and that, that, that is a failure to communicate. I think if if you think about great relationships with friends, with children, with romantic partners, they're at their best when you're communicating the best. You think she really gets me or he really gets me. Mm. I love being with him, talking with him, talking to her. And when it fails, you think he doesn't get me, she doesn't get me. Mm. It's. I think you can map a relationship based on the quality of the conversations you have with each other. And when you really love someone, you love talking to them, even just hearing their voice. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, I know in relationships I've been um, guilty of not saying and, and discussing my needs and yeah. letting people get away with, yeah. you know, I'm going to say murder, Yeah, you yeah. know, walking all over you. Well, that's not clout. Clout in this book, my book, this yeah. book, clout in my book is when uh, you're, having, you're having a relationship, having a conversation where you're both exploring and understanding what each other need yep. and using conversation as a way of of helping you get more out of each other and more out of the relationship. And ideally the relationship is bigger than both of you and gives you more than you could get by yourself. Otherwise, frankly, why have it? Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and why have it? Why have have it? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You're not better off alone. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Surely if clout is all about influence, is it really just about selling? Yeah, a lot of people think that, Karen. And when you think about influencing and clout, you think, well, why don't I just sell things to someone? Like I'm going to sell my idea or sell my proposition. But the the fact is that traditional selling doesn't work. I'm sure none of your listeners like to be sold to. You mean the pitch at the end? The pitch, even the pitch at the beginning. I mean, I remember just recently I was went to Harvey Norman to get a new uh, dryer and the lovely lady there was trying to sell me a $2,500 dryer because it was doing all these magical things. But I don't dry. I don't wash much. I don't dry much. 
I needed pretty much the, the, standard, basic, the, the, basic. St- the standard dryer. And she lost me almost immediately. Now, when you think about when you're being sold to, you think, well, what happens? You feel like I'm the buyer. And when you feel like you're in a buying relationship, you're going to get sceptical about what the person's saying to you. You're going to distance yourself from them. And you're going to really be cynical about anything that they, they say. And having cloud is the opposite um, to selling. Having cloud is about really building relationship, building trust, building understanding, and in a, in a commercial sense, giving the customer something that they really need, not just what you want to sell to them. Like the used car salesman. Like the used car salesman. Who doesn't sell many used cars? No. The, the, the best salespeople are people that don't sell. They really understand what you're looking for and give it to you profitably. Mm. That's how it works. And anyone in a, in a sales profession knows that. Mm. Mm. They're really good ones. The interesting thing I find when I'm working with my clients is one of the first things I say to them is that I don't want to sell anything to you today because I'm so keen on making sure this works for you that I want to find all the ways it wouldn't work before I find all the ways that it will work. Because I want clients that work with me indefinitely. I've got one major client that's been working with me for 20 years. And that's, that's only because I've consistently delivered outcomes for them and not done what won't work. I, yeah, I agree completely with you that if you've built that sort of relationship and they trust you and they understand you, you can deliver the best trainings for That's them. That's right. And you can build trust, you can build relationship. And when you've got a relationship built on trust, that's when you've got real clout. Yes. So we talked about listening. What are some of the other things that make a really good conversation? Well, in the book, I work through six steps. And we can talk about those, if you like, Karen, and say, hey, here's what they are. Um, The first one is to have a deliberate goal, to say, well, I'd like to have a goal for this conversation that I'm moving towards. So I'm not just talking aimlessly or randomly. I'm talking about a goal or with a goal in mind. That could be a goal that's around, it could be an emotional goal. Mm-hmm. It could be changing, I want to change how someone feels, like someone's feeling unhappy and unconfident and not as good as they should feel. And so, that could be a relationship or within a, a, a work role. A or work a... role. So it could be helping someone feel confident enough to do what they need to do, um, feel loved enough, feel treasured enough, feel understood enough. It could be an emotional Trust. goal, yeah. trusted enough. It could be a knowledge goal, so I'm going to teach them something, help them learn something. Mm-hmm. Um, or it, it could be a behavioural goal. That I'm, I'm interested in helping them change what they're doing uh, because that may be better off or teach them something behaviourally. So I'm going into it with a deliberate goal and and even even at an emotional level, um, when, you're, when you're more deliberate about what it is that you're doing, you find that mighty forces come to your aid when you're looking towards achieving that. Well, we all know that well, many of us know, sorry, I won't say all, because some people don't realise how important goal setting is at all in life and they just aimlessly go through life wondering why they don't achieve the things they really want to. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a a goal. It's going to be a goal that is not just what you want to achieve from that person, but it's something that you want to achieve together. Together. So so it's um, one of the key aspects of the goal in this sense is, is it's a collaborative goal and it's something that's, 
that's worthwhile to achieve. And it might, it might take more than one conversation. It might take several conversations yep. to get there. Yep. So the goal's number one. And? And then clearly, and this is where listening becomes important, to build rapport or connect with the person. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm connecting with you. I'm connecting with who I'm talking to. I'm giving them my attention. I'm making them feel like they're in my presence and they've got all of my attention. I'm looking at my phone or a TV screen, looking at someone else or something else. I'm then giving the conversation some structure, taking the lead and introducing why the conversation is taking place. Rapport is something that I really love because... Yeah. You know, you've got to have that rapport with someone or you, you're just going to go nowhere. Yeah. Absolutely nowhere. Yeah. You, you could go around a circle and go, yep, see you later. Yeah. Thanks very much. That's right. And some people don't get that and some people are slower to build rapport. They find it more challenging because they don't know what it is or how easy it is to build. Do people that uh, find conversations or small talk difficult find um, – this is just a question, I don't know the answer – to build rapport? Some people find it difficult to build rapport, clearly, and you can feel it coming off them. They just feel really uncomfortable being around you uh, and they feel uncomfortable talking to you. And one of the reasons they feel uncomfortable is that they're not, they're not investing their attention in the conversation. Now, when you think about rapport, rapport really is only reducing differences or increasing similarity between you and the person you're talking to. Mm-hmm. So you're looking towards giving them your full attention, n- noticing them, and then subtly adjusting what you're doing and saying and how you're being to reduce the differences between you and them. Mm. That, that could even be at a physical level, mm. which is where it starts. Like I remember when my... My son was little. I mean, he's 12 years old now. When he was a baby, when he was six months, 10 months old, the best way to build rapport with him was to get on the floor with him and roll around with him, like to come down to the same level he was. And kids are a great example of that. When you play with them and when, you get, when you're reducing those physical differences, you get better rapport. We seem to forget that when we become adults. Mm. And that's, that's one, one way, that, that mm. giving them your attention – reducing the differences to that subtle physical matching and then make them aware that you're noticing what they're saying mm. by echoing, echoing the thoughts back to them. Do they think, oh, he's listening? Yeah. Actually, he's listening. Then things start opening up. It's a wonderful concept, rapport. Very, very important, it is. as you say. <laughs> and you've obviously found it important enough to write in your book, Cloud. I love rapport. I do too. Our second song today, The Sweetest Thing. The Sweetest Thing. That's rapport. You too. Do you love you too? I love you too. Who do you think loves you too? What sex loves you too more? What sex loves you too? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a real female thing. Do you? Really? You two yeah. is a female band. Oh, oh okay. I went, when I've, I got to two of their concerts and both concerts, I'd say it's pretty 50-50. The women were screaming more for you two than, for Bono than the men were. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. Yeah. Yes. You know, he's just, he's just got – he builds that rapport and he doesn't even have to get amongst them. <laughs> Welcome back to 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly with Karen. Please go to Facebook and like the page Aging Fearlessly. 
I'm in the studio with Peter Anthony, a positive psychologist, and we're talking about clout, which is the title of his new book. And we're going through the sequence of the six most important parts of his book. And the first one is having a deliberate goal. And the second one we've talked about is rapport. So, right. Peter, three. Three. Three is taking the lead or giving the conversation some structure and you're looking at this from a, a sense of like why the conversation is taking place and why it's important for you and why it's important for them. You're agreeing with them the sort of outcome or goal the conversation can get to. You're suggesting like a way the conversation can be had and then you're suggesting what might happen after the conversation if you can agree that it's one worth having. So there's two scenarios here. It could yeah. be in the workplace or it can be yeah. with a partner or relationship. Yeah. In the workplace, does that have to be a super serious structured like an agenda or can it just be a conversation? It, it's best to have its conversation. I mean, when I got taught this, I got taught a beautiful phrase which was think tight, deliver loose. Which means <laughs> think, think tight in terms of structure, but deliver loose in terms of make it conversational. Mm-hmm. And the best, the best people at this, the best interviewers, the best conversationalists are people who are following a structure, but they're doing it in a way that makes it sound like it's just flowing and, and very conversational. Yeah, which is a real art. I yeah. mean, it's. Um, I listen to a lot of people interviewing these days and some people just have that real knack that's right and and that's what they're doing yeah that's what they're doing and so not not going into a meeting with oh no so this is the agenda we're going to set a goal we're going to do this and next we'll build it you, yeah. you can't do it that way yeah it feels it feels too contrived and too structured and the the best way to do it in a in a commercial sense is uh, as simon Sinek would say start with the why because if you like to get more clout or more influence with someone or over someone, if you like, it's about giving them a reason why that conversation is worthwhile having or why the outcome or potential outcome is worthwhile having. Um, taking the lead. Tell me about taking the lead. Like, um, yeah, I'm trying to get my words around that one. So taking the lead, is it the person that comes in and really, okay, yeah. opens things up and... And leads the conversation, but it's leading the conversation to a place where the other person wants it to go. So, and giving it some structure and suggesting a way that we could achieve it. So, you might say something, for example, if you're in a sales role, you might say, Look, the reason I wanted to meet with you today was to make sure that you were fully expanding the revenue potential of what it is we, we have on offer. And uh, by the end of the conversation, it might be worthwhile if we both were happy with how you were you were arranging the products that we're selling. How I thought we could do that might be, I'll ask you some questions to get a good sense of what your goals and business objectives and revenue uh, outcomes are. I'll introduce some ways you might want to think about achieving those goals a bit quicker. And then at the end, we'll, we'll, we can agree on some next steps or not with regards to what that might mean for both of us. Now, that's, that's four sentences. It sets up the conversation. It's good for me. It's good for them. And it's a conversation worth having. In a personal sense, it might be you might say something like, 
I get a sense that we're both concerned with where the relationship is right now and it might be important for us to, to talk about that. Is now a good time? And if it is a good time, we'd say, look, let's have a conversation about where we are and where we might want it to go. And um, by the end, we can both get clear and um, get clear on how we feel for each other and how the conversation might progress or mm. the relationship might progress. So it's... It, it, it's a way of setting things up and it's a way of just reassuring them that you have their interests and their goals in mind too because you actually don't know how they're thinking or feeling mm. because you need step number four, which is understanding, which is the biggest and most important step. So tell us about understanding. Well, if you think about Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People – he used a beautiful phrase by saying, seek first to understand before seeking to be understood. It's impossible to influence somebody without understanding them. It's not about telling them what you think. It's about understanding how they think and how they feel. And we use a model here around uh, values, how people value things and think about things. Like, So we're thinking about what they value, what that means, what order their values are in that particular context and what they want to do most to avoid. So if I was in a commercial or a sales context, um, I might be asking them, look, what's, what's most important to you in your business? And they might tell me and they might say something like profitability. I'd say, well, what does profitability mean to you in your business? And I get a sense of what it means to them. I'd say, what else is important to you? Could be staffing, it could be making a contribution. I might mm-hmm. ask, well, what's, well, how do you order those things? What comes first? What comes second? What comes third? Then you might ask, what would you do most to avoid? What do you want to avoid most here? Like failing, losing money, losing the family business, whatever it might be. By asking questions like that, you get a really good sense of what their model is. And you'll find, as I have, the people that are hardest to influence other people with different models of reality that us, different value sets. They see things very differently. They look at, look at something and see something quite different than what I see. Like, say, for example, I'm an ocean swimmer, as I know you are too. I look at the ocean as somewhere that I love, I embrace. I love being in, love being around, love smelling, love feeling all the way around me all year round. Other people might find the ocean quite threatening and quite scary. Same thing, different values, different different responses. So to get real clout and real influence, you've got to really invest the time in understanding where they are because some people can't be influenced mm. because they're too far away from where you are. Yeah. Yeah, they're just – it's not possible. So it's more a matter of understanding what is possible and making that possible happen earlier and easier. I'm going to do another song first. Okay. So our third song – Conrad Sewell. Yeah, Healing Hands. I said to you I'm not a fan of Conrad Sewell, yeah. but I do like this song. I just love this. I love how it builds. Yeah. I love how it builds. I, you know, I've watched him a few times and there's, you know, when you can connect with, we've talked about connection, I just don't connect with him, but yeah. I do like this song. Okay, cool. I know, I know. Welcome back. You're listening to 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. To find out more, go to the website rnb.org.au. 
I'm speaking with Peter Anthony, the author of Clout, and he's a positive psychologist. So, Peter, let's go back to these points that we're making about your book, Deliberate Goals, Rapport, Taking the Lead and Structure and Understanding. They were the first four points of your book. The fifth. The fifth. So you can imagine that you've asked all those questions and you've listened and understood how they're thinking, how they make decisions. And when you think about decisions, you're thinking, well, there's two main decisions we all make. We decide whether to do something, then we decide between alternatives. So we decide, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy a new car, and then I decide between alternatives, or I'm going to go shopping, then I decide which shops I'm going to go to. So once I've got those, an understanding at that level, and I've built the relationship, I can then go ahead and make a recommendation. I can make a suggestion based on based on my understanding of, of what's important to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And I make that recommendation and I'm going to say, so here's what I'm recommending that we can do, or how we can move forward. Here's how it's linked to what's important to you. And here's any evidence or support I've got that that might work for you. And you can see that in in these conversations, it's constantly about achieving something with them for them as opposed to just imposing my will or imposing my point of view. It goes back to the goal. It goes back to the original goal. So I've made the recommendation, which is step number five, and then step number six is 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 agreeing. So if I make a recommendation to you, Karen, if I suggest or recommend that we do something, I'm going to get one of three possible answers. You're either going to say, yes, terrific, let's go, or you're going to say, no, absolutely under no circumstances. Which... Um, and the third one, <laughs> I'm going to answer, no, go on, yes, no, or? Third, maybe. Maybe, I'll maybe. think about it. As a good friend of mine says, maybe, maybe not. That's, that's her answer to almost everything I suggest to her. Maybe, maybe not. So now if I, if I get a yes, that's terrific. If I get a no, it's better still because many of us spend too much time pretending that it's a yes when it's really a no, just being nice to each other. But a no is a good answer because if, if it's not possible, I want to know nice and early, not, not later in the, in the piece. Mm. And no is a more honest answer too than, than, than maybe. But if I do get a maybe, I then need to move into step number six which is agreeing and finding a way of having a simple a very simple personal negotiation with the person that's going to translate that maybe into a yes worth having yeah i mean i've I've had some funny situations where i've talked to people in business and they go oh look my friend's been a part of that i'll ask them and i go does your friend really know how to the whole process of what you're talking about, you're just going to ask for a bit of an opinion. Yeah. It's, an, it's interesting when that yeah. happens. And, and what you realise is he's just really saying no. He's really saying no, but he's saying it in a nice way. And, and, and often in a commercial context, when people are meeting to, you know, like in a sales environment, they, the meeting will often end with like, oh, let's discuss it next week or I'll talk about it with the boss. And, and what the what the customer is really saying is no in a, in a nice way, which is why when salespeople work with pipelines, maybe a third of the pipeline actually happens because 70% of the customers are not exactly lying. They're just being nice in their terms and just not saying no directly. 
Do you think that happens in relationships? I think it happens in relationships. That The first casualty in a broken relationship is honesty. People stop being honest with each other because they start getting scared. Mm. They're getting scared of being rejected or misunderstood or not loved enough. And as soon as as soon as honesty is a casualty, the relationship is doomed. It's um, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse that uh, that that rides in and, and kills it. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. The, the four horsemen of, of the, the apocalypse. apocalypse. Yeah, mm. it's um. There's others. There's there's um, like stonewalling and defensiveness, uh, for example. But dishonesty is one of the first casualties. And if you if if you are in a relationship and you're not being honest with yourself or with your partner, you might want to think about, well, why is, why is that taking place? I talk to lots of my, my mates about relationships and the troubles they have, and I attempt to keep the relationship together, particularly if there's children involved. However, I know that there's a lot of dishonesty that takes place, not so much unfaithfulness, just two people living together that aren't being honest, and you wonder just how good their lives would be if they did have an honest conversation with each other. Mm. Earlier on you talked about authenticity. Yes. Being authentic. Yes. Very important. It is, it is important. Because if you think about rapport, as we discussed earlier, it's very hard to connect or have rapport with someone that's not there. Mm. So when you're authentic, you are... You are being yourself. And when I talk about authenticity, I'm borrowing ideas here from Brene Brown. And what she suggested was uh, when, when you're authentic, you're being courageous. And when you're being courageous, she looks at the Latin root of, of courageousness in terms of cur, C-U-R, which means to tell the story of who you are with your whole heart. So when you turn up, you're turning up to be who you are. You're courageously being yourself mm. and being being authentically you and then people can connect with you. And you know that the people you can connect with the best and the easiest are people that are genuinely themselves. Could be a bit crazy, could be a little bit marginal, but <laughs> you love them because they're so authentic. And yep. you can connect and you trust them. Yeah. Uh, but the people that are hardest to connect with are like the Teflon people, like a couple of people I know. And I've known them for seven or eight years and I've got no idea who they really are because they're so Teflon, so plastic. Mm. And it's about being courageous and saying, you know what, I'm big enough, old enough, young enough, black enough, white enough, tall enough, male enough, female enough to be accepted and loved. I'm just going to be who I am. Yeah. And that's really crucial. I love it when kids are so authentic and yeah. they tell it as is one of my nieces, my great nieces, I've been minding them a bit lately, and she said to me, Honey Kaz, your teeth are brown. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, oh, are they? And I was asking my niece, that's a de- my other niece that's a dentist, and I said, what? She said, she said, kids always think that adults' teeth are brown, mm. and then they're not. Yeah, it's just yeah. that. And you, you just think how... Out of the mouth of babes, they just tell it as it is. As it is. Uh, they say it. There's no filter. No. It's like they don't mean it nastily. And you go, oh, are they? Well, I'll have to clean them harder. Why not? It's, a- it's one of the things that makes them makes them more lovable. 
because mm. they're so genuine and so open and don't start lying until they get a little bit older. Yeah. Yeah. And then all hell breaks loose. All hell breaks loose. So it's difficult terrain, and I'm not suggesting this is a silver bullet and it solves all of the problems, but this, this model will definitely help you have better conversations and get more influence and leave people better off through having spoken with you. And you can become famous for someone that's great to talk to. It's great to listen to, great to talk to, and people will feel really positive about being in your presence, which at the end of the day, if you can make every conversation with you worth having, you're leading a much more purposeful and meaningful life and making more contribution with every conversation you have. Very good advice and a great conversation today. Peter, if people want to find out more, yeah. how do they? Well, they can contact me at it's peteranthonyconsulting.com and I'd be happy to answer any emails you'd like to, you'd like to send me. Uh, and, or they can contact you at Aging Fearlessly and yep. we can um, hook up that way. Well, because I podcast these after they've aired, I do put your email address and okay. a photo up so people can find you okay. through that as well. Easy. Uh, we haven't finished yet, though. I just cool. thought I'd ask how people can find out more. And we might have a couple more minutes at the end. Bradley Cooper. Oh, my God, I'm in love. Yeah. Oh, lust. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I've never met I him, that so those it's two probably things just are lust. mixed up together, aren't they? Lust and love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll just go with lust now because I've yeah. never met him, so I can't be in love. Yeah. Maybe it's time. It's an awesome movie. I love the movie. I was amazed by his ability to sing and her ability to act. I loved the love story. I didn't love him. I didn't love the ending, what ha- what happened to him. And we won't say because In people case haven't, seen, haven't it. seen it yet. But it's well worth watching A Star Is Born. It's an awesome love story. And these two deserve an Oscar for their performances. And I love this song because it's a really genuine representation of how a man feels about a woman when he's really in love. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. You are listening to Radio Northern Beaches 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. It's almost time to finish, and before we go, I'm going to ask my guest, Peter Anthony, for one last comment. One last thought. Well, a key aspect of influence is being optimistic people like to talk and to follow optimists so if you can think about something that you'd like to achieve with others and you want to make that that thought or that dream nice and big people are much more engaged by people with big dreams and big ideas and that will make you a lot more influential and give you a lot more clout It's so good to have you here today. I've loved every minute of it, seeing it's been probably a year since you've been in the studio. You've got to invite me back more often, Karen. Well, we just have to work out some great topics to talk about, you know. I'm sure we can do that. We did storytelling earlier, and that's up on my um, podcast. And we've also talked about positive psychology. So there's lots for the listeners to go and 
go to Aging Fearlessly podcasts. They're on Podbean and iTunes and uh, download and listen to all the stuff that's been done. It's but, all good stuff. Yeah, and I've got some really good ones coming up too. So anyway, everyone, from Peter. Thank you, Karen. And from me, we'll see you next time. No, we'll hear you. <laughs> <laughs> So this is it for today's program. It's time to say cheerio to the wonderful Northern Beaches community. Join me next week for another episode of Aging Fearlessly. And now for a song written by Nick Howard, especially for the listeners. This is Karen Sander. Have a fantastic week. And remember, ageing is inevitable and growing old is a choice. The sun is shining bright outside There's a sparkle in your eye It's not all nine to five It's a wonderful life Let's go and climb mountains high Swim across oceans wide Let your heart be alive